Hey everyone, this is Jaime, and I'm joined by Maddie and a special guest, Caddy G. The great Caddy G is joining us this time around. We are beyond thrilled to have a guest in the sweat box, which I guess is the name of our new recording space. I take credit for that. That's fine. Every fucking time I say that, then it's going to be sweatbox. The little trademark that says Caddy G. Asterisk um, Caddy G. I even already realized that we're not doing what is saying the name of the podcast when we introduce it. This is our kids asleep. In case you didn't know, in case you didn't see the picture, or uh, we we weren't cluing you in. Thank you, folks, for stopping by. We wanted to talk about a few things, but we're going to start with something semi-uplifting, then descend into a bit of sadness and madness. So let's I begin. Think extra on the madness. Yeah, yeah most most likely. Let's start talking about Bo Burnham's latest special, quote unquote. It's more of a uh, one person extravaganza, but I'm going to let you guys take it away to give me your reactions of this because it's pretty fresh in our minds. Maddie and I saw it just two days ago, I believe. You saw it recently too? Last week. Last week. Holy shit. What do you think? Well, I watched it because you told me to watch it, <laughs> and I was planning on it, but um, yeah, you spurred me on to watch it sooner, so. What do you think? Um, it was heavy, man. Like, it was, there was super funny, like, laugh out loud moments, and then there was, like, devastating um, moments, probably within a span of, like, 10 minutes of each other, so... Um, it was a roller coaster for me. Um, so what's, um, I guess we didn't really go into the circumstances of this stand up. Um, it was made during the pandemic. Do you want to kind of give us a little bit of that and your reaction on it? Sure. Um, so Bo took, uh, pretty much the entire year of 2020 and some of 2021, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and he recorded, a what's, what could be described as a one man show. Uh, in his house, I believe it, the credits say, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean it's essentially just uh, a series of sometimes musical bits, sometimes less so, uh, or not even bits, just like I don't know monologues, what you'd call it. monologues, of? skits. Mm -hmm. It's it's like vignettes, right? Yeah, Where yeah. it's just like segments, and it, it's a stream of consciousness kind of thing almost. Mm -hmm. um, but I found an actual structure there. I mean, I, I found that the the subject matter started to get darker and darker, but it facilitated the character development, you know, of of what he was going through. Fucking wild, right? It was mm -hmm. pretty wild. So it it is essentially one of those things that got way more intense as the show progressed. But we were talking about this, and I'm just going to throw my two cents in there to get the conversation rolling a little bit more. It feels like Bo Burnham, you know, not particularly something that I went out of my way to to enjoy, even though he's very talented. He's just insanely uh, well-equipped for this generation, right? To give the people what they want. Uh, I find that this is the best iteration of his talent captured. And he excels on every level that he is pursuing, whether it's in front of the camera or behind the camera. Conceptually, all of these things are working in such a, an excellent way, uh, excellent level that it's just super fun. 
it's just hilarious. And I, I don't really know that there's a way to break it down, you know, other than that, just saying it was a fucking wild ride. It wasn't f- funny the whole way through, but it was an experience. Mm-hmm. And that was really enjoyable. We should also say that um, that part of that craft is like pretty much all him, except maybe like post-production. Yeah. Some post-production. He was setting up all the cameras, the microphones. The lighting. The lighting, which mm-hmm. I'm sure at some points is probably pretty crazy <laughs> to set up. There's like, there's a, a setup that involves like a headlamp and a disco ball. Yeah. Um, that seems and, and like it might have been difficult. And it serves the performance too, because all of those things that he's doing are part of a choreography and part of a, a thematic idea that he's trying to express. And it works like... It felt almost like like modern dance sometimes, you know, like he was in his underwear, like fucking dancing <laughs> for most of it, too. But it was you could tell that a lot of thought went into it. And that was really I really appreciated that mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And I thought, um, you know, he highlighted his. Obviously, like struggling with mental illness and how the the pandemic sort of blew that out like not out of proportion but exacerbated that you know sort of like the isolation and the depression and anxiety you know that he was feeling and um i don't know i thought he did a good job of like not only outright saying i'm struggling like i'm not okay but also like um it's my computer (laughs) um but also just channeling that like through his music as well which you yeah. know in some moments it's funny in some moments it's it's earnest you know in some moments it's like almost a little scary um how dark things get <laughs> um do you think it captures 2020 well enough like as a product of the pandemic do you think it works as a response to getting like shuttered in i think i mean that's like i don't know it's so intimate and like being that he's filming it from his home and he's he took so much time to do this it can't help but be like his most honest representation of himself like you know when he's on stage like doing the specials he has these moments where like sort of the facade comes down to an extent but this mm-hmm. is just like he can't help but he's in his underwear for Christ's sake <laughs> yeah um, in his yeah. own home and like i don't know the parts where he he breaks down you know and like he's done being funny for a bit strike me as like he's going through real shit like he's mm-hmm. like especially the part where um I don't. I don't know if I want to spoil that part mm-hmm. where he's waiting in front of the clock. Yeah. Um, and like a very real moment takes place in his life on camera. Mm-hmm. I think that's. It's a little. I don't know. Is it wrong to say it's a little Truman Show esque? Like this exhibition yeah, of human but, life. But that is that is sort of a big theme that he tries to explore in this, and I that actually is one of my favorite bits of it because you see a lot of like different bookends that he has in it where it's just exploration upon exploration. And there's that segment where he's doing the YouTube reviewing of himself. <laughs> it's very meta, very like several. Li- yeah. Very, but that is the only way that you can break down the insanity of how we interact with our entertainment now, where it has to be a bounce back. There has to be like a call and response 
to all of the work that we're seeing, but he's using it in such a personal level that that he is like pretty much like opening himself up and saying, "This is this is me, world." As uh, you know, they would say in the office, <laughs> "This is my blood." Yeah, it's red. <laughs> it's red, just like yours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, what's your favorite song though from it? There's a lot of good ones. I don't know if it's called "All Eyes on Me," but it's the one that's very blue mm-hmm. and sort of ends in a meltdown. Mm-hmm. I really like that song. Um, yeah, I mean, but there are others like yeah, so I liked... many. There, I feel like there's it's all killer no filler on this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean the one is Heaven or White Ladies Instagram. Like that <laughs> one was Ladies hilarious. Instagram. Yeah, um, very good. Jeff Bezos is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I love those as well. Yeah. I have a I have a strong hatred of Jeff Bezos. Tell me I about s- how much you hate Jeff. Let's do this right now. I really hate Uncle Jeffy. <laughs> What's he's, going on there? Where's this hatred coming from? He's a scourge in our society. I just feel like billionaires shouldn't exist, and he's like the billionaire right now. Yeah. Did you also hear that he is hoping to go to space? He's already gone to space. What you missed that with Blue Origin? Yeah, he went. I believe he went well, to space. Already. No, I thought he that was coming. Went, no, up. he did. He went. He went into like the upper atmosphere. I don't know that he like fully went into space, but okay. pretty close. I'm sure that's coming. It's all PR, man. It's all PR. But I think that um, one of the perspectives on that was that he was hoping to fulfill a childhood dream with his brother. That the only reason he started the company was so that he could go to space with but, his brother. There, There is a severe sense of indulgence because we're paying for it. The federal government is paying for it. Yeah. He's not really inverti- investing a lot of his money at all into this because of federal contracts uh, for mm. research and development and things like that. So he's pretty much getting a free ride. And to kind of double down on what you're saying, yeah, I think he's the scourge of the earth. Um, he did file in his taxes when he was like a billionaire. He filed a child credit. income tax credit. Yeah, That's yeah. Nice. So uh, just to cheer you guys up, <laughs> amazing stuff. I feel like this is step one in his attempt to transcend humanity, mm-hmm. which he already considers himself above. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> there was this headline from the Washington Post too, which Jeff also owns, where he said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what you're talking. You remember about. that one where they said. Um, should we really be treating the billionaires as bad guys? Yeah. It was literally like as transparent it's as could be. It's the guy who owns it. <laughs> by, it's, it's like by Chet Bezos or something. <laughs> Not even trying, man. By Beth Jezos. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. You're like uh, a bad toupee on. Yeah, but what can we say about Jeff and, and the way that he's destroying society? This is probably going to be censored because this is going to go on the uh, the. Audible now has podcasts, so the moment it gets oh, over there, it's going to get flagged. We're going to start losing like our our one listener on Audible. <laughs> Disgraceful stuff, sir. Audible does podcasts now. Mm-hmm. They they are accepting podcasts, yeah, and so you can um, submit them through your podcast host. That's crazy. I my voice will be on something I didn't know existed five seconds ago. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of podcast platforms now. Mm. Um, but coming back to the point, we'll we'll touch back on Jeff Bezos here in a sec. But Jeffrey, Jeffrey but that Bezos, is, a, that song was, and was a banger. Yeah, and the reprise, yeah. and the reprise, and he was wearing the outfit. Um, 
I think even if you're not a fan of Bo Burnham, you have to celebrate this. You have to go and experience this because I think he is a a once in a lifetime talent because of how he follows his intuition to the fullest. Like this person is creating on such a level across a variety of different um focuses or not focuses but um mediums mediums that watching it all come together and having that vision come from one person is really overwhelming but it's really great even if you don't appreciate like a lot of the humor you have to acknowledge the talent because that's undeniable you know and i say that as somebody who's not like a diehard bo burnham fan wasn't really into his stuff before this is amazing this is a great, great experience, and I highly recommend it. But I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, I I was a fan before. Not like hardcore, but I'd watched all his other specials. And uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, he's evolved a lot and um, has interesting and important things to say that I don't think a lot of um, I don't think a lot of people are using their art to say, and um, yeah, you know, yeah. I think like obviously it's not a comedian's job to, you know, comment necessarily on the state of things. Well, but, it depends on the comedian, right? Right, I mean, and I it, think that he, yeah. um, I don't know, I think he has because he's younger. I think he has, um important and interesting things to say that maybe aren't being said in the in the way that he is yeah what do you think ben does he have a good understanding of the day and age i feel like his meta understanding of his situation is maybe a bit a bit a bit ahead (laughs) of uh, his contemporaries except maybe i don't know some some of the stuff i hear neil brennan say It's sort of Neil Brennan is kind of eternal though. Like yeah. he, can, he can see past generations. <laughs> it's that veganism. Yeah, yeah. And it's that ayahuasca. <laughs> the vegan powers. No vegan ayahuasca combination. He's a spirit padre. That's that's right. what he's <laughs> what he's calling himself. Yeah, that's what he and oh, Bianca God. call him. That's spirit padre. Spirit padre. <laughs> he looks great. like a padre. Yeah, he does. Mm. Um but let let's wrap it up because I got an idea, and maybe we can talk about this after after we're done with this segment. But overall, final thoughts on Bo Burnham's special? It's awesome, and it deserves to be as front and center on Netflix as it is. <laughs> watch it, and you'll probably want to and have to watch it twice because it's very dense and it's a lot. Yeah, I do to take wanna, in. I do want to watch it again. I love it. Let's give a tink to that. Can you give me my can of uh, of whatever the hell this is? Tink. tink. There we go. There we go. Tinky. It's a very tinny tink. It's, it's a very tinny. I may add it in post. But you know what we haven't talked about that I think it might be a, a wonderful opportunity to do so? Remind me if we have, but okay. I don't think we have. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Mm. Have we talked about Scott Pilgrim versus the world? I don't think so. Oh, Scotty Pills. At the, risk, at the risk of talking about it again, I think we should. Yeah. Because it, every time I think of that movie, it's usually us three laughing mm-hmm. about it in some shape or form. So let's dig into it. Why is this movie so amazing? I think the care and craft that went into making it was just... I mean, you can't... <laughs> 
you get some idea when you rewatch it. Like, there's just so many meticulous details and jokes you might miss. Mm. You know, it's like it's it's pretty much it reminds me of how Joe crammed the offices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like some episodes, it's happening so fast you're laughing too hard to even hear. Like the three jokes that happened while you were laughing. Yeah. Mm. And like, there's like these little details that you notice upon like subsequent viewings. Mm-hmm. And like, if you look at behind the scenes stuff, they straight up had to learn their instruments as actors. <laughs> yeah. And like, he like is super into the choreography of the fighting. And um, so let's let's give some context too before we get into sure, it yeah. as well. This movie is about 13 years old now. If you can yeah. believe that this oh, movie shit, came out a while back, 2008, I think. Yes, and so it is an adaptation of a comic book, um, is a graphic novel, graphic, yeah, graphic, novel. graphic novel. I don't, yeah, and, graphic. And, let's call it a graphic novel. But I, I think for a lot of us, the introduction to the story was in the movie, and um, this offends people sometimes when I say it. But I'm not a comic book person. I just I didn't have the good fortune of growing up with it, so I I was not exposed to that medium early on so now it's really hard to get into it but this story is so clever but it's also so universal that we all just kind of like can dig into any of these characters and just fall in love with what they're all about and the story centers on scott scott <laughs> and his. well yeah I'm, I'm well i mean it's like scott and his garage band and I don't know, just the trials and tribulations of being a 20 something trying to make it on your own and navigating relationships. And in particular, the one relationship with this well, new girl. Not even one, it's two. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm yeah. Because he's, he's, he's doing something he's, he's a, not supposed to do. He's got to <laughs> yeah, ditch his high school girlfriend. Right. You know? As in, like, she's in high school and he is very much yeah. not. Yeah. So, so, as you can tell, these are very familiar themes and a lot of things that. Um, maybe all of us have experienced in the past, but it is hilarious and it its uniqueness is in how it's presented, I think, in, in how the story is just going a million miles an hour and it's capturing something in, in a very unique way. So I think it's um, a lot of credit. Should, I mean, it's Edgar Wright, isn't it? I mean, it's it very much has an Edgar Wright. It, it, it's it's all over the movie. I mean, we just recently watched Hot Fuzz and it's rewatched, I should say. And it's very much that same like pace and, you know, just it's like, very it's, frenetic, yeah, right? It's it so, doesn't stop. It's so joke filled and you know, those movies are completely different movies, but the feel is the same. Mm-hmm. And I think Edgar Wright has a lot to do with that, just stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and it just and maybe he's not for everyone, but I just think he makes killer movies, and this is no exception. Um, I also think, like, we were, we are that generation of kids that were 20-somethings, uh, you the, know. Yeah, right, right around, around the time, time it came out. Yeah. Um, 20-somethings are a little younger, and so I think it resonated with us at the time that it came out as well. Um, just like video game references and the music and um just what it was like to be that age at that moment in time in time so right. i think it probably wouldn't resonate with older people as much as it resonates yeah. with us do you think caddy g that this movie transcends 
and is is able to provide something to a younger generation. You're just more worldly uh, in an internet sense. You you have a better grasp of what the young kids are into these days. Do you think this movie still holds up for them? Absolutely. I have heard uh, from younger people that they still love this movie, um, despite you know not being the age that we were when we saw it. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think it's like a, an our age and younger sort of deal because it's like, I don't know, it sort of has the attention span of younger generations. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's very snappy. Things keep moving. I think it's a it's probably like a little over an hour and a half. So mm -hmm. it's not even a it's not even a longer movie. Mm -hmm. And it's just I don't know. I feel like um, it does have uh, some references to like the time it came out. And it's certainly very Canadian in a lot of ways because it takes place in Canada. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of the jokes are very visual. And that is a sort of a joke telling archetype that transcends. Uh, like age groups. It, yeah. It, it, it ages much better than like, I don't know, the fucking disaster movie or hey, whatever hey, these movies are. We, we have been having the time of our lives bonding <laughs> Over disaster movies, so no, you no, no, get no. That I shit mean, the movie mouth. called Disaster Movie. I'm oh. talking about oh, these, you talking these about Adam like Seltzer and Friedberg, like the, the, no, the bad movies. ones. I specifically mean because Airplane, oh. I can still watch and it's still hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm talking about these ones where it's like, hey, it's Pamela Anderson and she's being hit on by Doctor Phil. I gotcha, and then the wanted guy shows up and curved the bullet. What the and hell are you talking oh, about? These movies it's exist. Like, it's like scary movie, but it's disaster movie. That's what he's talking. Like about. all like this teen exists? movies. There is, there are tens of them. Yeah, vampires oh, no. suck is another one. Oh, and like the jokes, there's no jokes. It's like, it's just like, hey, that's a thing I recognize. Yeah, yeah, and it's just slapping them together lazily most of the time. You really ruined this by bringing that up. <laughs> no, that I was the worst thing. I love disaster movies. If we're talking about disaster <laughs> movies in general, I'm a big fan. I love. Well, I mean, besides the shitty ones, I'm not about to. I'm not about to stand Battlefield Los Angeles, whatever that one's called. Yeah, we could have a conversation about that. Uh, that was strange. That was an interesting that movie. Yeah, yeah. So, if if we can backtrack just a moment, Scott Pilgrim has to fight seven evil. Exes mm. of his of his love interest Ramona, right? Ramona Flowers is the the belle of the ball, as they would say. She is hip. She works for Amazon <laughs> again, uh, just to tie it back. And no, Bezos. <laughs> Bezos ruining everything since it, Jeffrey. Yeah, two thousand eight or whenever that movie came out. And I I think it, it's just a, a testament to that snappiness, that presentation that allows us to to just kind of keep falling you know one after the other for these really interesting characters in particular i'm talking about the evil exes who are just <laughs> like a mixed bag of, of <laughs> chris evans plays one. yeah uh, chris evans also, in a standout role and also the guy who ended up playing superman for a little stand. yeah brandon ralph yeah ralph yeah, yeah, and um, uh, May Whitman. Others, May Whitman, who plays uh, Eve, Eve, Eva, Eva, I or Ivy. No. Oh, oh, Ivy. Yeah, what's her um, name? Um, Brie Larson. Brie yeah, yeah, Larson, Brie Academy Larson. Award winner Brie Larson, Captain Marvel. Brie Larson. Yeah, yeah. who? Uh, okay, and we haven't even gotten into the music. 
Yeah. The music of this movie is outstanding, uh, mostly by Beck, but there's uh, a couple of other contributors. The song that Ivy plays, played by Alison Brie. That's Metric. I believe it's an actual Metric, metric track oh, that she's saying. Okay. They just released the version, because before, the only version you could get on the soundtracks was the one sung by the original singer of Metric. Oh. Mm. Um, but they just released a version with her with song by Brie Larson, which is everybody was like, oh my God, finally, yeah. this is the one we really like. That song is so I'd seen it good. on YouTube because they have like an extended yeah, version of it watch, on YouTube. You had yeah. to watch it on YouTube before, but yeah. now it's on, it's mm-hmm. on the nice. soundtrack. Yeah. And by the way, that's that movie is being re-shown in theaters yes. right now because it's an anniversary. Mm-hmm. It's like 15 years or something. Oh, 15 years. The UK just got some screenings of it because they demanded it. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, that's a very European sensibility. Is that is that what it is? Like the Edgar comedy Wright is just kind of British. Yeah, I mean, right. Oh, is he? Yeah. Very, oh, okay. He's very British. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Hot fuzz, okay. like yeah, right, all, of the, right. all of the Cornell trilogy <laughs> is very British. We'll we'll have to chat about Hot Fuzz next time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that doesn't pick up. I just it stuck yeah. two fingers up. Jog on. No, I. Um, the one with the uh, what's his name Timothy Dalton next to his picture. Yeah, that is the most British joke I've ever seen because they use it in the IT crowd too. Yeah, they do with, with uh, Douglas, Douglas, yeah. and yeah, uh, denim. There was another. I was just oh, I love the sort of tertiary characters in this movie, mm. like um, his roommate. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Stephen. No. No, Stephen was the boyfriend, wasn't he? Like oh, his, oh, his um, sister's boyfriend. Uh, that Wal- Wal- it starts with the Walter, W. Walter Walton. No. Starts with the W. Damn it! I know. Can you pass me my yeah, phone? I'm gonna, I'm the, gonna look it up. Kieran Wallace. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Anna Kendrick was in this Anna movie. Kendrick was Anna in Kendrick this. was in this. Anna Kendrick was in this. Movie. Aubrey Plaza. Yes. Yeah. Oh a star-studded cast. Yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. And they all have their little moment of of comedy gold. Even Thomas Jane, who I'm a big fan of, <laughs> shows up as the as the For vegan police. Maybe a minute or two. With yeah. uh, I think um, Clifton Collins. Uh, I think that's his name. Yeah, Clifton Collins Jr. Um, vegan police. <laughs> amazing, amazing yeah. stuff. What can we say about this movie that hasn't been said though? I mean, it's it's a tall order because a lot of folks love this movie. It's pretty universal, but. I, I just think it's it's just a funny as hell movie. I don't know if it was universal. It's kind of a cult classic because it bombed. Was it, it came sh- out? It yeah, did? it, it bombed? did. It oh, did. That's it a did bummer. Very, I don't wow. think it made it back. It, it didn't make back its production costs. That's crazy. It did it like later, obviously. Yeah. Because it got a cult following, but it did not do well at the box office. I remember seeing that in theaters with Sam and almost like peeing my pants out we were laughing so hard like i we loved it from like the first watch and uh it is incredible i think it just i think part of it is that it's so rewatchable like i have rewatched that movie a hundred times and it's never less funny Mm. um yeah i don't know i can't wait until our son is old enough to watch it oh yeah currently it's uh trending on rotten tomatoes you know so take it how you will Audience score is 84 and the tomato meter is 82. I mean, given where it started, this movie is certifiably a a pretty damn good movie. And 
it just takes time. Sometimes there is, uh, movies are not going to be in step with the the day to day or a, with the present taste. There's a lot of movies like that. The thing was universally panned, mm-hmm. almost universally panned when it came out because it came out the same weekend as E. T. Mm. Hard to, you know, compete yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that uh, some gems are just uncovered eventually. You know, the good stuff still rises to the top, I think. And, and it's, like I said, it's just the basic idea of something being undeniable where it just you can't not watch that movie when it comes on. Mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim is just one of those movies. Um, yeah. I'm glad we got to talk about this one. Um, yeah, I can't I could, we went this many episodes without talking about it. <laughs> I could talk about the Edgar Wright movies. Talk about Beck for a moment. Talk about Beck? Yeah, just just uh, the songs that um, were in the movie, but, mm. you know, that might lead us somewhere else. I could talk about Beck all day, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he mostly wrote the the songs by the band yeah. that Scott is a part of. And, I mean, there's also some other ones here. Well, I mean, Scott wrote Ramona, too, right? Yeah, he wrote it and played it for her. Um, but yeah, he played. He makes. He made all those songs. I believe he did make them in his own garage. <laughs> he like sort of recreated, you know, the garage band aesthetic. And yeah. there are like, if you buy the if, or if you get the soundtracks, you could stream them. There are versions of him on vocals for I think all of the all of the Sex Bomb uh, tracks, mm-hmm. and they're. I mean, they're great by their way. Sick. I I prefer. Stephen Stills vocals. I think <laughs> yeah. they just they fit a little more. Yeah. And Stephen um, Stills was the ringleader of the band. Yeah, he was the, 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 talent. the, the vocalist talent. in the movie <laughs> who also had to learn how to sing. I think oh, he did wow. a pretty damn good job yeah, for yeah. just having learned to sing. Considering yeah. he didn't know. Um I think maybe or maybe he knew how to sing and he didn't know how to play guitar. It's something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, the song, man, the Beck song is in this movie. They kick so much ass. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he was at a, it's it's funny because he was at a point in his career where he was, he was doing more serious stuff, more, more mature stuff. And mm-hmm. then he just comes out with something that, it feels like it's from his early years. It Still feels fresh. like yeah. like stereopathic soul manure or something where he's screaming into a microphone and doing three-minute monologues <laughs> about the aliens and <laughs> the beer can he sat next to next to the highway. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I just like he tapped in but right, right back into that early Beck grunge time, um, like grunge punk sort of thing. And it's, it's just great. I oh, I love it. that. That makes me want to listen to some old uh, Beck records the uh the classics but we can talk about beck as well a little bit further on and don't forget uh there's also a uh small role here that we omitted by the great jason schwartzman oh that's right as uh as g-man so keep an eye out for that i think mostly this is a win all around this is a, a great tink and i'm going to tink to this till the cows come home here let me borrow yours and i'm gonna go like this that's good. That's a good tank. <laughs> all right. All right. There you go. Wonderful that we get to talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. So, uh, do you want to keep rambling about Jeff Bezos or do you want to talk about Beck some more? Or do you want to talk about how the world's on fire? Because I think all of those things could be woven into one thing. They're all related. They're all related. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if Beck made more happy music, the world would be a better place. Uh, 
I think there's an important uh, <laughs> distinction uh, towards what kind of happy music he's making. Because just... I think his newest album was very happy, but I didn't like it mm. at all. Oh, no. It's like, I know, like, usually I'm, I'm like the biggest Beck fan, like you could imagine. Mm. Um, but there are like, there's one album I will not listen to again. And that's What's that? like, it's Golden Feelings. It's like the first demo he came out with. Mm. It's garbage. There's, there's a funny <laughs> song about um, Chainsaw Blues where he accidentally cuts his arm off and he sings about it. But that's like <laughs> the only good thing on that album. The rest of it's yeah. ear shattering. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the newest one, Hyperspace. <sighs> you like that one? It's, no, I, I don't. That's the newest one. Aww. It's so boring. Um, and like too slow or like too uh like, expect um it just like doesn't read like beck at all like you know he's known for like sort of eccentric like lyrics mm -hmm. um like his signature vocals like i, I could pick him out of a song yeah. any any time percussion like, and beats are usually off the hook you know yeah. if he's not alternating between the uh acoustic stuff the instrumentals on the on the album are good it's just like it it's it's it sounds like something he wrote for somebody else to perform mm. like the only one the only song on that album that has lyrics that stand out to me is star but the rest of the album is just like i don't know how to describe it it's just like vapid pop songs mm. like they it's it's he's what is he like almost 50 now and he's still yeah. singing he's like this is like you know um we're young let's go out with all yeah. our friends like bullshit oh, okay. he's like not him right now it sounds hollow then uh in it's almost like he's placing himself in that kind of younger kind of vibe. Uh, yeah he's trying to mm. appeal to a younger audience but mm. it just comes off as phony Mm. I think like the the worst example is the last song Everlasting Nothing which is so on like <laughs> you know what do you call it like nail on the head like on the mm -hmm. nose yeah it's so on the nose mm -hmm. it's just like it sounds like big and grandiose and it's just a lot of nothing mm. I was I was pretty disappointed with that one Colors is okay mm. um he's sort of on like a down a downhill mm. in my opinion What's your favorite Beck album then <sighs> I have, you know, you want to know? This I want to, uh, yeah, I want to know. This is something that I actually worked on through, <laughs> uh, through this year. Do you have I, a list? He's, I he's straight up have a list. list. Oh I have, I have ranked, I have listened to and ranked every single Beck <laughs> album, and I have the list just um. ready to go um, somewhere. <laughs> I love that. That was uh, one of those uh, funny you should ask. Came in um, ready with the monologue. Oh, here it is Beck, worst to best. So I just have it. I just have the list. I'll just go start from worst and okay. go to all the way to best. Yeah. Worst, Golden Feelings. First one. Duh. Okay. That's just, it's just, ugh, it's just awful. It's, it's like whatever he's young, he's figuring stuff out, but it's just <laughs> like, it's that kind of lo-fi where it's ear shattering and you can't tell what's going on. It's really terrible. It reminds okay. me of like, I don't know if you guys are going to early black metal recordings of like mm. demos where they recorded onto tape recorder in a separate room. And it sounds like somebody's <laughs> washing machine in the next apartment. Yeah. It's yeah. really awful. And then hyper <laughs> hyperspace is next. That's the newest one. Colors mm. right after that morning phase. The one okay. that won the Grammy. I'm not the biggest fan of that. It's okay. 
yeah. stereopathic soul manure, one foot in the grave, which I think you'd really love. I think that's right up your alley. I don't alley. think I've heard that one. That no. one's really great. It's got mm-hmm. one of the guys from Built to Spill. I don't know if you've heard of that band. No. Uh, really great uh, lo-fi folk album. That's oh, that's very nice. good, babe. That's that's what we like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Guero or Guero? Guero. Guero is right uh, right there. Modern mm-hmm. Guilt, The Information. And then the best ones I have, uh, Mellow Gold, Mutations. Mutations, yes. Good for you, man. Midnight Vultures, Sea Change. Mm-hmm. Sea Change. And Ooh. then Odalays at the top. Sea Change is rough. My Rough I, as in sad. I don't mean bad. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I can't listen to that without sad. crying. Sea Change is gorgeous. We listen to it pretty regularly. It's on a, a playlist that we use to put our kid to sleep. Not all the songs, just a couple um, of them. Yeah, just a couple of them, so we don't get too depressed before bed. <laughs> and uh, Mutations is my favorite album of his. It's, it's a really good one. It's sublime. I uh, because you shared that album with me. I I, I uh, found that album because of you. You really? you, you gave me a, a burnt CD. <laughs> and the, and when the song, was this? In... A long time ago. Oh I my believe God. you two were first dating uh-huh. or something. Um, that was or what, like forty had been years ago for a couple of years. It was a long time ago. And I um, the, the way I'm used to listening to that is out of order. Mm. It's not the original <laughs> track order. It was alphabetical. Yeah. Mm. So the first, oh my the first track is canceled check, I think, when it's not, mm. that's not actually the first track. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, Sorry, I totally botched that introduction. <laughs> no, no, <and> it's <laughs> like uh, the, the CD was just all like. No, it was great. I love, I always <laughs> listen to that song first. Now it's oh, man. one of my favorites off of that one. That's good stuff. Not a bad, not a bad list. I agree. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know Beck that well. I know Modern Guilt and Sea Change and. Mm. Guero, but I don't know much outside of those. I listen. We listen to Modern Guilt a lot a because lot. I, I downloaded that one on iTunes, mm-hmm. and we had that little iPod just kind of playing all the time. Mm-hmm. That one uh, just kind of sticks in my mind more than most. Volcano off that Volcano. one. Volcano. Oh, I think good. a lot of some a lot some people complain about that one being boring, but I don't mm. know. I just feel it. Like he just has like these phases, right? Where mm-hmm. like in the beginning he was kind of all over the place and immature, mm-hmm. but it had like this spontaneity that people really loved. And then later on he got more mature. And uh I don't know. I think those are all still great. Like when like by the time he gets to the information and then goes on to modern guilt, it's all it's all gold. Mm. It's all great. Yeah, I agree. He had a good a good phase of maybe fifteen years or so mm-hmm. where all the stuff he was putting out was just on point a lot of good stuff but i love those uh those recommendations um good list now i was gonna ask you uh do we really need best to worst lists in this in this day and age <laughs> <laughs> I, I i just did that for myself but yeah i was gonna I, say that's yeah i actually the way i go through like introduce myself to a band is to like look up what people think are the best albums. Like mm. I least I recently got on a Steely Dan kick. So I was like, I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. What what do I start with? I don't want to pick the shittiest one <laughs> and like be like, this sucks. I'm not listening to the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But it turns out Steely Dan is pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're a bunch of perfectionists. So. Yeah. Um, but I like like I like was, you know, comparing lists and like seeing what which ones tend to fall towards the top. 
Mm. So I could sort of pick. I eventually sometimes I just pick ba- if I think the album cover is really cool. <laughs> I don't know if you know, like when you're going through the store mm. and you're like, "This one looks pretty neat," and yeah. then it's garbage when you bring it home. Yeah, yeah, that used to happen in the late '90s when we actually had stores that uh, that sold <laughs> CDs. Your FYE, yeah, your FYE, yeah, uh, Tower well, Records or Virgin Records. I never went to one of those, but. I think they had. I I don't think virgins were allowed or uh, were allowed in, in Salt Lake because no virgins. It was too sexual, probably. Um, but there was an Fye, which was my favorite store, and then they had the the one in Laramie. What was that one? Hastings. Hastings. Yeah, that's gone by um, the wayside. Oh yeah, we we had a a lot of, a lot of good times there. Going through movies and books and all, all kinds of records and stuff. I guess that's kind of how I decide what albums to listen to. Is like, I don't. I'm trying to think how I normally decide that. I guess I just go with my gut and hope for the best. Yeah, but well, it's changed, right? I mean, it, it's not so much about your first reaction with an album. It's usually what other people are saying about the album, mm-hmm. because before you could actually still make that choice. It was a. It was a one-on-one interaction essentially with this piece of work on the front cover of the album and then you were taking a guess taking that gamble as you were saying but now it's like you hear from your friend or a friend of a friend or you can't stop hearing about it on twitter or um a lot of the ways i don't want to say what other platforms because spotify yeah Mm -hmm. youtube because spotify is like the main uh, main way a lot of people listen to music that's Spotify playlists are usually a lot of times a way into an album. Mm. So with Phoebe Bridgers, it was like an indie playlist that had motion sickness on mm-hmm. it. And then you just click it and it's like, boom, there's the album. And then yeah. you listen to the whole album and then and it all yeah. kicks ass. Yeah. yeah. So now uh, it's, it's more of the, uh, the algorithm sharing that with you uh, more than anything else. Cause that's how I find my music now. It's letting the YouTube algorithm tell me what I want to hear. Right. And I, I've kind of resigned myself to just let things be that way. I don't worry about new music now because it just, it's fed to me <laughs> by this massive, massive, uh, AI. It does strike gold sometimes. Sometimes you'll yeah. get some like, yeah. like left field recommendation. Like what the hell is this even? Well, we, uh, I I found uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard that way, Mm -hmm. so that was pretty awesome. And then that led me to more like the uh, Australian, New Zealand um, prog rock stuff. Um, There's the uh, the psychedelic porn crumpets, which is a a great (laughs) band. It's a great band. Name. Um, They have um, this track called "Found God in a Tomato," and it's like (laughs) seven minutes. It's just a sprawling thing that it's just its own masterful thing but i i highly recommend it just let youtube figure you out for a little bit give into the system but not to amazon's algorithms fuck that guy (laughs) i'd rather give my info to google because Mm -hmm. don't you think that that's what's going to happen is that eventually there's going to be like factions where these conglomerates these massive massive technology companies are just going to start acquiring countries and whether you're a Google user or an Apple user or an Amazon user, mostly you're just going to like go to your bandwagon and that's going to be your nationality now. Mm-hmm. And the algorithm is just going to be part of who you are. Um, it's, it's like a uh, techno communism or something where you're just giving into it. I don't know. Techno tribalism. <laughs> techno tribalism. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, 
speaking of searching for music, um, I've been recently getting into Bandcamp. Yeah. Which um, does not really have the same sort of system as like a Spotify where it's like, you've listened to this, you might. By the way, have you guys noticed that Spotify has changed significantly? Sorry, I'll no, speak more to the <laughs> mic. Um, like if you go onto Spotify's main page, like on your phone, mm -hmm. it's just like, it's returned into like a Facebook feed of like, oh. I know, I know, it's kind of shitty. As opposed to like these different little list things. If I you crack it that. open right now, it's just going to be like, you might like this, you might like this, and you just scroll. And that's, that's what it looks like for me, yeah. Oops, sorry. <laughs> started playing what I was just listening to. Um, what is it? It says, here's what it says, good evening, and then it shows me what I've been listening to. Four episodes about Beyonce for some reason. Popular albums recently played. Jump back in your playlist, favorite artists. Really? Look at, check this out. Okay, I'm going to put my. Do you have on. an iPhone? No. Oh, I, hey. I didn't know that would do that. <laughs> Why do you like this? <laughs> um, it looks like this for me. I, I, obviously, this is not great for a podcast format, but if I scroll, it's just single things, and you might like this because of this. Oh. You might like this because of this. Intended to keep me scrolling until I find something that I find interesting. Oh. So it's not like that for you guys right now? I guess it could be coming if it hasn't updated yeah. or something. Um, they usually hit iPhone first, though, right? Well, you have an iPhone too, Maddie. Yeah. So. I don't know what the deal is, um, but that's what it looks like for me. It's sort of this, oh. this constant feed. Hmm. based on different aspects yeah. yeah well it's that social experience that they want to integrate with everything like mm -hmm. you, they they want your groceries to be a social experience where yeah. you're <laughs> fucking rating things and giving it thumbs up and thumbs down and commenting and sharing it with your friends that you purchased bananas today mm -hmm. I that you it. purchased walnuts mm -hmm. uh so but, now, but Bandcamp isn't like that no Bandcamp very much feels like the internet equivalent of searching through stacks at fye oh, okay. like you even you go through you like pick genre or i like to go and pick genre and then just mm. like scroll through and see if i can see if like a like a uh an album catches my eye like i recently found um i've been getting into black metal that's the thing <laughs> um and i found this um this italian composer who does organs and then like uh sort of video game inspired video game flavored uh instrumentals and drum beats over it and i only found it because like uh i don't know the album was very catching it's like a black background and then like <laughs> sort of like an old school video game thing that like makes this red symbol and that's and like it doesn't have a title it just has like four like shaded squares as the title of the album i was like what the hell is this and i listened to it and i just kind of fell in love with it pretty alluring it's yeah it's and it, something about Bandcamp right now just feels like it feels like going through those stacks at like a record store. Mm. Um, I still do that as well. I like to go mm -hmm. to record stores. I do. Have, I do have a record player, but um, it's kind of my uh, at least finding music app. Mm. I don't like to sort of just do it on Spotify as much anymore. I really just like. I mean, you're not going to find everything on it. Like a lot of the major stuff might not be on it. It's more for indie labels and stuff. Mm. Um, but um, but it's nice because you said that they give a lot of the proceeds to mm -hmm. the artists, and so it benefits more of the indie uh, working musician. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I think mm -hmm. 
maybe Bandcamp gets 15%, 10-15%, just mm. not much mm-hmm. considering how little Spotify gives. Jesus, Spotify uh, gives you um like portions of a cent per stream. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really bad. It's pretty obscene. Like thousands could be like what, 10 bucks? Yeah. If yeah. that. It's real bad. Mm. But uh yeah, I mean, Bandcamp does not have the infrastructure the ad infrastructure to uh, like pay per stream, it kind of really encourages you to buy music that you're enjoying mm. to support the artist more directly, mm. which I think is great. Yeah. Like after like the second time you listen to it, it's like, you know, it's time to make that commitment. Like yeah. it, it'll even say that. <laughs> it's like, it's time to buy it. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. And I didn't have the money to buy one. And I was like, not now. And like that little heart broke <laughs> and fell away. <laughs> With some artists, they've, they've limited it. So mm-hmm. you can only listen to it a certain number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but most artists will just like that screen will show up every once in a while until you buy it well that's a great thing it empowers the artist to kind of set the terms of how that transaction is going to go and it it just gives them a little bit more room to to actually voice their opinion on on how these things should go because as much as i love spotify i mean it's it's fucking everyone over in that industry and it's totally destabilizing you know what's to come for musicians i also think there's a um you don't own any of the music. You know, there's you're, mm-hmm. you don't own the albums you're listening to, which, you know, coming up at a time where, you know, I guess CDs were the big thing when we were kids. Like, mm. it was a big deal to own a to own a CD of an artist you loved and to just listen to it over and over again because it was yours. And I don't know, there's a lack of... um ownership over your own music you know over your collection of music mm-hmm. um it's a leasing agreement and uh yeah th- there's nothing really romantic or enticing about that it's yeah. just <laughs> yeah very cheapened agreement and then you get to borrow the music for a little bit mm-hmm. and it, it really sucks when it becomes no longer available yeah um i was listening to a daniel johnston um like one of his old, old cassette tapes that he put together. Mm. And uh, it was taken off Spotify one day mm. and I just couldn't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I had to like find it on YouTube. I mean, eventually <laughs> it got put back on, but sometimes like they don't get mm-hmm. put back on. Yeah. yeah, Or like one track will be missing because of a licensing or copyright issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's not, if like for the preservation of music, it's not great. Right. Because it all depends on like who holds the rights and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Kind of so, makes me want to go to our <laughs> local store and just buy all <laughs> the ones I've been listening to. for. Yeah, that might be the best way to do it. But it, we're so entangled with this now. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, what's the solution here? Do we just cancel our Spotify subscription? Do we, um, you know, go out and revive the the cd stores music stores i mean how do we how do we do this i mm-hmm. think support just supporting artists that you really enjoy is yeah. a, is, a, is just a good step i mean i'm not saying everybody get rid of your spotify is your apple music subscriptions or whatever um it's like those they're really great ways to easily listen to music like on a right re- if you especially if you listen to on a regular basis and like Maybe, like not all of us have the money to just buy a bunch of albums right right you know like it's cheaper you mm-hmm. have much you have like huge access to a huge amount of albums and um 
I mean, Spotify and Apple Music and stuff like that is a great solution. But, um, oh, I should also mention Bandcamp is not just digital stuff. Um, oftentimes, they'll also have like, uh, just like, I'm sorry, I keep bump- <laughs> fucking bumping this. Um, uh, they'll also have like CDs or cassette tapes. It's very big in the vaporwave scene, which is like a... What is vaporwave? Vaporwave is a recontextualization of 80s and 90s corporate music um to be slowed down and to be like the opposite of what it was originally so like 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 a song by tina turner that like is like the best producer of all time is like he designed it and like the you know this this corporate committee designed it to be a chart topping hit and then somebody downloads the song remixes it maybe slows it down like 300 percent or something and uh makes their own song with it Mm -hmm. and that's a vaporwave Wow. wow it's it's a, it's one of my how favorite. can they do that how can they do that with there uh, are a lot of problems with copyright okay. with this genre usually the best artists are able to like make semi original compositions just from like snippets that like these robots you know who are meant to pick up copyright stuff because there's so much like content like they to can't sift through. discern yes yeah or like it would hold up in court like mm-hmm. if if somebody's like this this isn't original you know I've changed it significantly so it's in a different key it's at a different tempo mm-hmm. it's almost not recognizable in fact yeah mm-hmm. um but it's huge for vaporwave because there's this there's this new movement of like this love for cassettes mm-hmm. and Bandcamp uh, has a platform where you can sell cassettes you can sell CDs you can sell no vinyl. shit mm-hmm. is that still Bandcamp or is that is that a, a that's Bandcamp it is through Bandcamp okay. that you can set this stuff up usually that's sick. the vaporwave labels will set the, which that's a thing now the completely online label wow. for people who make stuff on a, on a MacBook in a garage <laughs> that's um, awesome it's like super underground music I really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great you you gotta come back yeah you gotta come back with some recommendations like maybe give us like a top five or ten of like what you five vaporwave albums yeah yeah just stuff that you that you want to share with us we'll phone you in man we will uh make it happen so that you can give us a little bit of what's going on in the world because we don't know shit man i mean outside of urban dictionary i gotta call (laughs) you to be like hey what's uh you know vape nash or uh (laughs) What are the kids talking about? Yeah. Real questions. Real <laughs> updates. Let us know what's going on in the world. Yeah. Man, the sweat box is living up to its name right now. Yeah. I'm so I think we're going to call it. Um, <laughs> I, this is, this right is a now. good time as any to stop. Let's give a tink to Bandcamp for doing everything it can to keep the 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 uh, the music business the music alive? the music in the camp. <laughs> Does that does that Where's work? Where's your tank? Where's you're your gonna, tank? You said you didn't. <laughs> you, what you said, tank, and then you're just. Well, you got no tank. <laughs> now it's just like a. All right, that's it's slushy like now. Swampy, it's swampy. <laughs> like the like the beverages are warm. <laughs> We're in the sweat box. <sighs> I can just feel it in my shirt. Yeah. This this was a poor decision, but <laughs> it's the, dark now. The sun has gone down. But the episode is done. We thank you so much for listening to our kids asleep. Shoot us an email. What is the email? Ourkidsasleep at gmail.com. And what else do they have to do? Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps us out on Apple. Caddy G, what are you going to do when the caldera explodes? <laughs> what the The hell? Yellowstone caldera. Oh, shit. Um, 
think about that for just a little bit, and then I'm going to call you, and you got to have an answer for me. Okay. This is important. I was going to say accept death because I'll be dead. Okay. Because it'll be very quick death. Which yes. deity will you be praying to? <laughs> Which one's your favorite? We'll do a top five of that, too. <laughs> All right, we're done recording. I am sweating yep. like a farm animal. I need to get out of this room. <laughs> Good night, guys. Much love. Bye.